Hello, and welcome to Think Fit, Be Fit podcast. My name is Jennifer Schwartz. I am the creator and hostess of this podcast, where our goal is to provide a portal to better self-care and self-leading with fitness. We are very much a podcast that dictates quality over quantity and helps you develop a deeper connection to exercise, whatever type it may be. Today's episode with Ed Morand of Beyond Pilates NYC is a continuation on a conversation that we had on April 29th, 2020 about upgrading our home exercise. We both kind of realized that this trend is here to stay as our culture is changing around how we interact in public spaces. So we decided to take this approach of giving you all the tools to build a home gym experience without buying huge pieces of welded metal and spending a lot of time lugging around plates. So this is all about bands and bodyweight exercises, which is totally uh, a new conversation, you know? This is a totally new way to think about our exercise. And whereas bodyweight and band exercise was normally thought to just get it done and get it done quickly. I need a low economic solution to my exercise at home. But now we're seeing it as, wow, I need a full spectrum of choice at home in this space and it might be limited. So what do I do? The intention of these two podcasts are to like bring that into the conversation and give you some options. So like the last episode we talked about, you know, the science that can enhance your exercise experience and performance. And of course, I'll link to that. We talk about the makeup of Ed's unique at-home Pilates exercise class, which I do participate in on 8 a.m. on Fridays, but he has other options available through Zoom. And we just discussed that in this episode as well towards the end. So, On the previous episode, we left off on this great exploration and discussion on tubing and bands. And I really wanted to bring more to you guys. And of course, Ed did too. So here is the episode to follow up on that about tubes, about banding, and how to use bands like a pro. So we discuss how each piece of tubing could have two ranges and it should have two ranges and what that means for resistance and the working range of your exercise. We discuss how tubing workouts are kind of, they're different from a TRX workout and that you can broaden your choices of using bands with different attachments, doubling up the bands, having light bands, heavy bands, and creating a whole profile of resistance with just this tubing. So the other cool things that we get into away from the band exercises 
is a conversation on basic the biology of what we're doing at home and what we need to keep in mind while using all this stuff, which is compression versus distraction at the joints. Really uh, fun little piece there. And we talk about something really important and near and dear to my heart, which is bone building exercise as a necessity. And this is a passion of mine because I am a female and I want to support females in whatever phase of exercise that they're in. And bone building is one thing we have to discuss. Okay, so here's a little bit more about Ed. He is a muscle activation techniques RX specialist, and that's where we got to know each other through the uh, education process. He owns uh, Beyond Pilates in Midtown Manhattan, and he was first introduced to Pilates while studying dance, and he has been in the industry for decades. He's been quoted in Oprah's O Magazine, Men's Fitness, L Magazine's New York Daily News, in a couple books about Pilates and boot camp and body conditioning. He's also a passionate exerciser, of course. So it's beyond Pilates, just as his uh, name uh, points to. He's also studied posturology and has been, you know, just a student of biomechanics, anatomy, physiology, and physics for a long time. And you can reach him at ed underscore Morand on Instagram. You can also reach him at Beyond Beyond Pilates NYC. I did this last time. Um, Anyways, without further ado, please welcome my guest. And I look forward to seeing you on Instagram at impact underscore your underscore fitness. Please enjoy this episode. I look forward to hearing from you. So, so um, when we were discussing this, uh, some of the bridge work that was kind of left out where we, where we left off um, for the sake of time was around simple practicalities. And as I went away to think about this, I was like, what was the average person going to need to hear, mm-hmm. right? And, and this, as you and I both know, could stretch out to intro-level personal trainers and fitness coaches, right? People who are really just getting into this, uh, others who have been doing this for years, but don't think mechanically, don't have necessarily a biomechanics background. They might be used to memorizing these names of exercises, which is what we referred to, right? This whole concept, do you create an exercise or do you throw at someone this image term push-up? That's a push-up. And so we're going to convey all that that means. And you and I might have a really rich way of coaching a a push-up. And Mm -hmm. uh, a motor learning expert might say, I leave them alone. Let's see what they do with that. And that's really exciting. You know, that's kind of like really cool. Yeah. What are we going to throw in as part of the recipe uh, to create the outcome heretofore called push-up? Um, but what does an average person need to know? What do they need to know? You say it's a, a, a personal trainer four or five years into their career that's looking for some ways of working in this new virtual space. What is the average fitness enthusiast who might know more than a five-year personal trainer? Like this fitness enthusiast might have been working for 25 years on their own since high school in the basement. Um using like cement, you know, plastic encasing cement, if, if, if that's what <laughs> I recall when I was a kid. But yeah, but plastic. Yes. Yeah. Barbells and dumbbells that were made of yeah. plastic encasing cement or sand. Right. <laughs> that's what it was. 
I, um, there's this one follow on Instagram and he is an RTS student and he's in Colombia, mm-hmm. and his gym is all like bricks and cylinders and like one barbell. And I just love watching him. He's just like barefoot, bare minimum. And you should see his resistance profiles, by the way. So we're talking about way above different than average than what we're talking about. But, you know, he's not, um, I just, you know, it just made me think of that. Like you can really create something great from these minimal environments that we're in. And that's the essence of this. Right. So that was just like, yeah, I was just sharing an image from my head basically. Um, So I think one of the basics that people don't really know, this is so basic, so basic. Do not use a tubing or elastic that has any wear and tear on it. If you can visibly Mm -hmm. see a split end, (laughs) <laughs> you have picks or cuts. Yeah. Yeah. It has to go like mm-hmm. that. So I really, I don't know if people understand that. So, um, <laughs> you can't, cause anything we say about tension and mechanics and whatnot, um, it all goes away if you have degraded material. Mm-hmm. So I, I would just want to start with a basic thing <laughs> before yeah. we build up. And then what did like, when we got into that part of the podcast, Um, which was at the very end. And I did highlight it on YouTube that this portion of the talk, which is about five minutes, uh, we got into the range of a tubing. So can we just talk about the difference between the words that we're using? Also for me to be clear and on the same page with you. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to be like, we're talking about you're holding up and we're talking about um, the difference between tubing and bands and roughly, we're going to know that to some degree, it's, these are polymers. They're roughly elastic polymers. So they're, they're going to have some range that's really usable, where the resistance is fairly consistent through that range. It's stretching through that range. And then there's going to be a range where it just turns into rope, where if you, you're pulling at that doorknob, you're pulling the door out of the wall you know, and, or out, uh, you're pulling a door open or closed. Uh, we want to use it, these materials, whether tubing or bands in that, that elastic range. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to use them in that, what they call plastic range, if I'm getting that correct. And that's where it's basically like you're directly pulling like it's a rope. And let's just point out that webbing would be purely in that plastic range, not this elastic range. Webbing would be like the TheraBand? No, webbing would be like TRX, just to name an exact name brand, right? It's not supposed to stretch, which is why, you know, we could talk pros and cons, but I think these banded workouts are much more, much cooler, much more flexible, Mm -hmm. no pun intended, than a simple TRX workout. You Mm -hmm. could suspend parts of your body weight, you know, in tubing and Mm -hmm. get this really cool feel. Um, but this is very different from a TRX workout in a TRX workout. Your hands are roughly fixed at that length that you're in. And it's the limbs that are going to do all the adjusting, um, Mm -hmm. internally, you know, the the body's limbs and, and, uh, angles are going to change, but that length of that web, that web, uh, construction is not going to change. It's not meant to change. Mm -hmm. It might have a touch of giving it, 
but with, with elastics, with tubing and bands, there's a give through this range. And yeah. that's, that's roughly what we want to capitalize on. I will point out that this is also going to be dependent on diameter and material. Yes. You can't know materials because these things are, especially at this time, I don't want to make too much of this, but I have been going around searching these things. There are famous websites where you can usually get these. I know several, you know, Perform Better and Spree, mm-hmm. however you pronounce that, Spry. S-P-R-I. S-P-R-I. Yeah. And we're, now we're advertising. But the reality is a lot of these things are sourced elsewhere. And, you know, I was just trying to get bikes for my, my folks. You can't get a bike in this country. Uh, they don't make the basic supplies in this country. So we've got to wait for manufacture abroad, usually in Asia. Uh, and then again, uh, the bike shop owner said like six to eight weeks average shipping time, a week or two to construct. So I think we have the same problem with bands and elastics. So anyone that got this stuff before this all went down, sort of stockpiled it a little bit like, you know, um, hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. And they did a bit of price gouging. So I've gobbled up a couple of the cheaper knockoffs that are coming out of, I think, China. And um, they're not as qualitative, but I wanted to have them so I could send them out to clients, et cetera. So mm-hmm. we don't know materials. We're looking for something that's roughly elastic and, as you said, is, is uninjured, right? It doesn't have these nicks, scratches, or cuts. We, we do want to work within this, this, this elastic range. And we want to be careful that if something gets too hard, that will be the place where this work uh, or this material is less helpful to us. If we get to that rope-like feel, then it doesn't feel really great for the muscles. At that point, it's, it's a very difficult isometric, right? Because there's no longer any contractile quality. Um, do you want to talk about that isometric versus, or, or are we good? Um, no, I think it would be good. I would love to know if you're putting a package together for your client, what's in it? Are you talking about in terms of material? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I usually ask them to, to err on the side of light because if we use light and we double it, this is a really cool take home. If we double up this tubing, we have two tubes instead of one. I just happen to have one color we can go right here. Um, then, we're, then we're using both strands and we actually get a doubling of the range and mm-hmm. it's not at that completely endpoint plastic range for a while. So we get more workability by using light stuff and doubling it. That's the nature of this kind of material. Okay. Um, so more of, more of the workable range. You, you want to watch for that. And this is another point, the length, right? This is kind of like saying, we, we talk about in muscles, length tension relationship. Well, mm-hmm. these things have a length and tension relationship, right? When they get to that longer range, they max out and they turn into effectively rope where you're just transferring, right? You're just, you're just pulling along. When you're working in that range that you can use, you want to use something at, that has the right, like what if your room, that you're working in is too small, right? You can't get to this area where it's stretched out sufficiently and you get to feel like you're uh, maximizing or economizing the load, right? Is it the right load for you? Um, what if it's such that the uh, tubing is, is too short and you go to do say curls or something like curls because we're not naming anything mm-hmm. and, and you realize that you can't even complete that range. It'd be far better to go drop down. So I ask them to use two of each, two lights, two medium lights, and two mediums. If you've got somebody that's really used to working in a full gym setup and they're really used to working hard, they're athletes or athletic uh, veterans of working out, then you can start at something like medium light to medium and then 
light maximal resistance. And if the person, if, if there's no uh, worry about expense, you can just suggest that they, you know, apply a whole range. Mm. Um, there's a brand in one of the major sports re retailers, maybe the largest sporting goods store out there right now, which is really qualitative with, with big um, attached carabiner clips. And those are really practical. If you go to any kind of chain link fence, like a schoolyard for where I am, mm -hmm. uh, you can basically apply that whole grid and attach things everywhere. But I also have noticed that there's two other really uh, complementary accessories being made. There's one that's purchased at the same store that has basically uh, a grid work that you can attach to a door with big Velcro. It's made out of webbing. Yeah. Yeah. And, that. Um, so that brand, it's, it's just like 30 bucks and uh, you can get a high, middle and low series of attachments for 30 yeah. bucks. There's another brand that you can get on Amazon, which is also available black and white. It's about 60 bucks, but it's got like high, mid-level, then medium, then mid-low, then low. So it's got like five levels of attachment and I'm playing with that one right now for the rainy day workouts. I still prefer the schoolyard and the reason for the schoolyard. So um, just to be concise, I would suggest at least three minimally for most clients. I'm just happy if they have one piece of anything elastic because I can do amazing things as you could as well. Amazing things with one piece of elastic. Unfortunately, it has to sometimes be unilateral work and you know, you're hoping that can, they can use two handles. But in many cases, they have to hold one piece and then pull down from the other side because they don't have any kind of attachments. So um, I like one to three pieces of tubing or elastic banding. The banding is nice because you often tie it. The banding is interesting. You know, it's used more with physical therapy. You can wrap limbs, elbows, feet, et cetera, with the banding. I don't use it as much because I'm kind of doing exercise for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, so doubling the light ones, doubling the medium light and doubling the mediums are that's my most popular setup. And then I'd like for clients to get this kind of a door setup, though we've not yet uh, switched over to that yet. Yeah. I just I, received my first couple packages in the mail. Yeah, I'm very I'm very suggestive to people to get um at least two anchor points for their door mm -hmm. or at least two. That's my um and then the other thing. Yeah, that's a that's a big one for me. Now that I think about it, after that, um, I like the loop bands, and I think you've seen that the figure eight loops or it's just one big loop. They're yeah, they're originally loop. pull up bands. Yeah, but then they started making them lighter. Yeah. So and that's because of the functionality I had to utilize for the soccer club. Yeah. Um, and that most that it is, it, I found that it was a waste of time to teach soccer players to push stuff through their hands because yeah. it was just, they were just not dexterous. Um, and it just seemed like their working range, it was just so limited that I had to get it around their hips or around one of their legs near the ankle to get anything done with the time that I had and keep in mind, like my time was very limited when I was working on the field with athletes. So, um, and then everything that I would prescribe to them exercise wise with tubing or bands had to be something they could use three or four different ways. 
because you know, like you don't want to confuse an athlete when they're trying to train for something. It's like the worst thing you can do. I, I mean, I like get in and get out, have it be very clear. Yes, of course. And just to sum it up, my training setups, there had to be a station for each player in these groups of four. So the loop band could go around their hips, be held in their hand, around the shoulder or the waist. And there's just lots of possibilities with a mindset uh, of creativity and this knowledge of like exercise band mechanics. A little bit of a tangent just to acknowledge how I was using them and show you where I'm coming from. And let's just get back to our mechanics conversation. So, okay, so we anchor points. Do you have anything you'd like to add on that or um, different types of uh, different amounts of resistance that you suggest people use? What I was going to say about the anchor points, yeah, we should backtrack and just explain that my suggestion of one of these big door attachment webbing things that basically looks like you're wrapping a gift, right? You've got these clips and you wrap the webbing around. You've got all these cool little loops and, and hooks that you can wrap your tubing around and really, you're basically trying to pull the door off the wall when you're doing yeah. exercise. And, and the standard in tubing attachments to doors is a, the door, the classic door anchor. So that's a little piece of webbing with something larger behind it. You close the door and you lock the door, you bolt the door so it's not going to be opened by a friend or uh family member, and then you, you're working off of one to two anchor points. Here's what's tricky about that. They're never wide enough, nor are they high enough, no. right? The floor is the floor and that's fine. But like for what we know to be the right paths for like working chest or lats, it's really hard to get. So inevitably you attach on the top of the door frame, which is fairly high. And then for lat work, you're, you're either going to have to do straight up rows or for a lat pull, you have to get down to your knees or effectively what we think of as a lat pull. Mm -hmm. um, for chest work, they're never wide enough. So you favor what we'd say is basically a pressing component. And then the flying component is not going to be resisted ideally. So this is leading to the next thing. So most of these paths of motion for tubing exercise are going to reflect where the muscle is. So we match just for the lay person with the introductory level trainer, we're going to match that path to the muscular anatomy. And to some extent where your muscle finishes is going to show you, you know, where that muscle is attached uh, or your motion finishes where that muscle is attached. So in the case that I'm explaining right now, in terms of flying motion, you're going to have degrees of say neutrality or internal rotation, which is essentially what it looks like to have your hands on a bar, except they're not, they're not on these two, um, I was, I guess we describe them as isolateral, you know, mm -hmm. setups with handles and in free space, you know, if the tubing is anchored behind you on the standard width of door, which is basically, I don't know, a couple of feet, right. Two and a half to three and a half feet. Um, if you're a really large person, that's not going to be very much of a flight, you know, kind of a, a oh, yeah. motion, <laughs> right. So if you've got really broad shoulders, you're not terribly satisfied with a flying so you'll only be pressing and you're going to want that tubing to be fairly resistant. But um, if you are a, a narrower build, you'll be able to do a little bit of fly. Now, what's interesting is that the pec musculature, we can kind of use a common denominator to come down slightly. It's all dependent on your thoracic anatomy. So your chest build, 
the bones of your chest and you'll be probably coming downward on an angle that might be more or less 45 degrees. And, uh, and that'd be a pushing sensation. You're really like pushing down. So it's going to be really similar to what it looks like to have somebody in the middle of a cable cross in the gym and yeah. be doing like a fly press, um, pushing down and in. So you're pressing so- down and in and coming together with tubing. You do want to come together a little bit if they're wide enough, if they're yeah. not wide enough, you've got to kind of keep that chest pressed a little wider. Um, can you, can you talk through that piece where when it's about to drop off, like when you would put the brakes on to stop the motion or continue? Yeah. So there's several things that you look at specific to tubing or elastic resistance. If it's starting to get this rope like impact, like you're going to pull the door off the wall and there's no place to go with, you know, resistance if it shoots up basically gets turns into rope then you'd want to back up or change tubing Mm -hmm. opt for two lighter rather than the heavy one you've got in your hands if you feel like the resistance is completely dropping off like the tubing is touching the limb i think we talked about this in the last um installment if the tubing is touching the limb that's going to show you that you're sort of uh in line with the tubing and give or take you don't have much of a muscular input there. Um, it's in line with your anatomy and your resistance is, is right down the bone. Mm-hmm. So you'd want to stay in a slightly wider arc path for that kind of a, a press slash fly. Now, if I'm in a schoolyard and I've got these carabiner clips, I'm going crazy. I'm going a little bit above my chest height, which would be kind of like my ear height, my head height mm-hmm. uh, on either side. And it might be like with my long tube tubing, I might be, six feet away to the left, six feet away to the right. I've got one piece on either side. I might even add a second piece of tubing a little closer in and downward. So (laughs) it might be, you know, behind my right shoulder, behind my left shoulder. And so now it's not head height. It's not up uh, above me. It's at shoulder height. And uh, and it's a little closer together. So I step forward and I've got this cool Spider-Man setup of two different colors on either side. Well, of course, it's yes, that sounds sexy, but the sexy part is actually creating an opportunity for a lot of stimulus along a pretty broad range of muscle, like if you're talking about the pack. Yeah, right? what's really cool is that it starts out pulling directly sideways and uh, it ends up pulling directly back. So you have all that motion in between the two attachments to really feel like you've got a range to work from. Mm. Um that's going to be really def- difficult for many listeners because they've got to find the right setup on the right day. I've and- got a couple clients that will be very interested in this because that, that, you know, they're the stuff that we play with in person mm. and they're just they're It has taken them confidence to learn confidence and to learn what a good exercise feels like and potentially looks like. Mm-hmm for them to be able to explore. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that is a big hurdle for people for just taking that next step into, I want to try something different with my exercise, but I don't want to end up with five stitches in my shin. <laughs> right, right. Right. Cause this kind of, you know, I mean, I'm thinking of um, some, someone in my direct circle that 
texted me from the emergency room that they had to get stitches from a box jump that they don't, you know, stuff they don't normally do. And I'm like, well, (laughs) Um, but there is a place in between these two outcomes that I just talked about where it is a little scary. um, But what you have to do, I think is play with what you feel when you're pushing with the, with the resistance, when does it drop off? Meaning when does it feel like that rope and you're not able to do any more or contribute any more on your end? Like your muscle's not going to get much out of that last 10%, 20% of the range. Um, or, uh, and then, then, then the other end of that spectrum is like thinking about when it's really hard, which I don't think we're, we're going to go in that direction, but we're talking about adding more to the exercise, which means figuring out and trusting your feeling that, oh, okay, this is when I need to add a little bit more resistance. Um, And what I do is actually encourage people to, if they don't have the extra band or an extra anchor point, you can change your body position if, if it's appropriate. So like adding in a drop set quality to Mm -hmm. the, to the just one set. And I think that could open up a whole nother range and whole other exercise. Well, it's a great point. So for this one, if it's a, if it's a chest thing and your resistance is coming from behind you and to the side of you on either side, you can simply step back and into it. And then you've got that set up for the drop set. And that's, Mm -hmm. and that's, I do this stuff all the time. Or what if you start out and you realize, you know, I bit off more than I can chew. I can always work into a different part of the range. Another thing to really make clear to the listeners is that there's no dishonor in a partial range of motion that's well executed, right? Yes. Oh God, we can really work the range. Like this (laughs) idea that quote unquote full range of motion needs to happen for every exercise all the time. I mean, the best example, and it's probably not the best example for most (laughs) listeners, but like go into any bodybuilding gym right? Yeah. And most of the time, those guys look like they're just twitching. Mm-hmm. Like they, they don't have much range. They're so quote unquote muscle bound and it's not doing them any disservice in terms of strength <laughs> and hypertrophy, right? Yeah. They're getting stronger. They're retaining size or they're gaining size. So this concept that we need a full range of motion just needs to die. That needs to die. Uh, here's some two very usable examples. Uh, learning how to do a pull-up you're not going to do the full range when you're learning. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. not happening. I'm sorry. Like mm-hmm. you're just, <laughs> you're going to yeah. be climbing up the wall instead of pulling yourself up. Right. Like yeah. it's just, so you have to work a partial range if you're learning how to do a pull up, especially if you have limitations in, um, you know, equipment, like you don't have a lap pull down machine. Okay. Well, what about your bands? Is that an exception if they're using the, uh, the band? Bands? Yeah. That's where the pull up bands come from, right? They assist your, you may weight. be able to get the full range when you have that kind of an yep. assist. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then the other way that people might relate to this is if they're, if they've been, um, if you've had a trainer, especially if you're in the strength and conditioning world, box squats, are a great example of a very effective exercise at a limited um, amount of, it's not the full range, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I would argue that, so I, I'm a big believer in that most women in general uh, need to build muscle, need to 
need strong muscles because we need strong bones. Mm-hmm. And women start losing bone density as early as 25. So really I understood this like as early as 20. Yeah. As soon as well, they yeah. the top, the topped out is when so they start losing. I yeah, I mean I read I read um some research that was published from a project at SpaceX because of you know they those astronauts need bone density. Yeah. And so the number that they had come up with was 25 for women. Oh wow. And so ideally that means women should be lifting weights around 20 like that, yeah. you know. Um if and not as a I understand bit it, they use they use uh similar things to what we're talking about. I mean I'm sure they're using much more high-tech equipment then, but they use very similar to what we're talking about. Oh in- yeah, they concepts. Yeah, I saw a prototype that was pretty simple. Um I can't talk about it much because I signed a, um, a agreement saying I wouldn't talk about it. So that's Mm -hmm. that. Um, so, um, and then box squats. So, you know, working in, uh, Oh, I was going, sorry, back, coming back. Um, when I try to convince women that this is a reality for them, that bone strength is so important for our overall health. And it should, obviously, for all the genders, this is important, but especially for the, the female hormone profile. Um, and that learning some kind of big lift will help them carry over strength from generation to generation of their life. So squatting, I would argue that all of them should start at partial range, you know? And so just to say, yes, partial range is a great thing to experiment with. It's nothing to be, um, I guess it's feared or shamed about. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we don't need to, um, it's it's not all glamorous long leg movements. Of That's not what exercise is. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it for me, it is uh, a sensation that I can control my body and control my outcomes and control my destiny for this short period of time. And that exercise breeds self autonomy, like no other wellness modality out there. You don't have to rely on the ingredients going into the food, into the supplements, unless you're growing your own food is, is, is even food as autonomous as exercise can be. So, um, yeah, that was a pretty big statement there. (laughs) Um, Should we go? Let's um, wrap this up with a what? Else, what else do people need to know on the on the the tubing and the bands? Well, uh, I really like to get into this is a teaser. Um, some of the exercises are sprung uh, above you, right, or attached above you, and some below you. Life as we know it takes place with plenty of axial loading under the conditions of gravity. So I really try to utilize as much as I can the overhead attachment points. And the clear things would be to work your your lats, your back, um, in these pulling motions and pulling down motions. 
we can get into whether the stuff is relevant to our human condition in the sense that like, do we climb trees and we evolved from tree climbers, et cetera. But that seems to be an important balance for all of this pushing stuff um, mm-hmm. when you get into the theoretical side of things. But I want to point out that when you're doing uh, an overhead anchor for lats or for the most famous would be like tricep work. See, I'm naming exercises. There's no way for us to have this conversation without naming exercises. I know. I'm um, sorry. Unfortunately, I, I, unfortunately, they're quick images. So unfortunately, um, we name them. But I bet if you saw Jen and I in these scenarios, nothing would look conventional because there's no reason that we're limited in these setups to using a rope and pulling it apart. Uh-huh. There's, we're not using bars in a lot of these scenarios. There's no need for them. And um, yeah, if you're in the gym, you'd more, move more weight with a bar and you'd you know, get that burn with a rope pulling apart. But these are other stories. What I'm basically saying is that we can enjoy this feeling that this distractive feeling, as we say, like in physics or biomechanics, this feeling that we're lengthening uh, the spine to, to, to pull from pants or Pilates. So yeah, th- there's plenty of compression and uh, distraction is a balancing stimulus. Too much distraction is not good either, right? We so can, distraction is an overhead, would be an overhead and a below attachment, or I'm sorry, anchor point, or are you saying above only? It's always, yeah, to get this distraction quality, we'd have this stuff coming from above. If you're pushing down low enough with that chest set up, you are getting a distraction element because you're pushing down with your arms and your body sort of um, is getting pulled up, right? I, oh, I always think okay. rock, I'm robots. Yeah. yeah. So your arms are pushing down and there's something that the, the bands and the tubing are pulling up against you. And yeah. You're so doing, you're oh, feeling oh. ungrounded in a way. Yeah. You're being pulled out of the ground. Yeah. yeah. And you're doing your hardest. Like if that's too much for you, you literally lift yourself up, you know, almost like a, a gymnast on a pommel horse, you know, that, mm-hmm. that feeling holding yourself down. Um, when you're doing a lat pull, we should point out that the lat pull is probably the one where it doesn't really work well with tubing so well, but you can still get it done. It's just that it's, it's, it's getting harder as it pulls. And we know that we get a little weaker as our arms get close to our sides in the lat pull. So um, still works well. It's just that you have to have this way to cut it down. And what we do in tubing is just bring your arms closer, and that would reduce this, the length of your arms, uh, your leverage, your uh, torque. So... Um, I like to play with distraction versus compression because we've got plenty of compression. Everything you do in a boot camp exercise or in any kind of like CrossFit scenario is going to be compressive. You're going to be carrying real weight. Your body weight's involved. So, so we're talking a, about like a push press would definitely be compressive or standing overhead push. press. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. A squat is compressive. Like everything's compressive because you've got weight pulling down the floor it is the use of yeah. weight. I will gravity. say that 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 distraction sensation is really nice. It feels really nice. Yeah, it's, Look, it's, are, let's let's point out why it's important. This yeah. is important. Oh, we're okay. talking about bones. Let's talk about cartilage. So our spine, you know, our spinal discs are made of cartilage. You know, it's a it's a shell of cartilage surrounding something kind of pulpy in the middle. And we usually use this scenario, this like a jelly donut. Mm-hmm. Uh, an aging an aging spine is like a an old stale jelly donut. So we want as much, right? We want as much of this pulpiness. We want to lengthen our spines and we want to hydrate at night so that we're getting this imbibition process. The disc, yeah, the discs are 97, 98% water. Water, yeah. yeah. So we need to hydrate uh, properly. We need to uh, 
distract as much as we compress. We need to lie flat for six to eight hours um, minimally. And uh, some know that they're not getting enough sleep, but they make sure to lay flat, right, for that length of time. And challenge listeners, compare a night where you're sleeping four to six hours, but you've lied flat for six hours to the night where you lie flat for 10 hours and you get like seven total hours of sleep. Remarkably different feeling the next day uh, on your feet. So um, that's a huge jump off to a whole other set of factors. Like, are you adding as much of a pull out of the uh, the ground or the floor as you are this heavy compression? Because if you carry your groceries home at any point, you know, if you're that's carrying luggage, if you're working out as well, you're only adding compression. You will be short. By the time you're four decades old, you will be an inch shorter than you were when you were 18. Um, so that's what's happening at the same time as uh, bone density yeah. loss. Okay, so that is the band portion of what we talked about. This is a little post-production chit-chat with you guys. And I just wanted to circle back and review what it is that we were talking about so that you can circle back and, and get to know it a little bit better. And maybe even listening to it while you are with the bands and working out would be really helpful. So we talked about the plastic and elastic range and that there's no resistance in this plastic range. It's not meant to stretch. And if it does, it probably breaks. And then the elastic is the working range. Uh, We also talked about this um, thought process throughout a chest exercise in a door frame and that attachments and doubling up the band can broaden your choices and create new resistance profiles. On the topic of compression versus distraction, I wanted to put a pin in it that you can create both compression and distraction on the spine with these tubing elements and uh, setups. So what that means is where the band is anchored and where it is on your body. All in all, we're asking you to consider the different tension and ranges in the band and how that can accommodate your exercise and help your exercise and that it's not something to just shrug off if you think through these simply you can add so much to your home exercise experience now for the last portion of this just join me and ed for a discussion on his class and my experience as a student and what is coming down the pipeline from his perspective as the creator and teacher of the class. What's new with class? So I've taken, I've taken your class like twice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Twice. This is yeah. a really cool question to ask because it's come up and uh, I do have clients that go to their power yoga on a Monday. They go to their um, boot camp class on a Tuesday. And then by the time I get them on a Thursday or a Friday, because I'm kind of concentrating in these classes in these like beta test groups toward the end mm-hmm. of the week. And they're banged up. And I say, gosh, you know, I'm creating this, this buildup that's meant to nurture them and teach them a way to be prepared for a morning walk or run, a resistance training session. Um, I'm calling it resistance specifically because no one's getting out weight unless they have a home gym. And uh, so they show up banged up. And I say, slow down, guys. We are utilizing this eight-stage 10 stage session to teach a new way of moving with greater efficiency, 
greater coordination, hopefully, because you've utilized all of these um, ranges of motion without an aggressive, you know, as an alternative to stretching, we're doing these positional isometrics, we're doing these um, sort of very Zen-like motions that prepare the yeah, body. It's, yeah, it's a, I love it. I love the buildup. Um, and, you know, it's not my athletic class of the week. You know, it's not my no. like conditioning. I think it is a wonderful way to wake up. Um, and you, I, I feel very light and connected afterwards, um, with my body similar to, um, yeah, I would call it like a, a meditative movement, but more rigorous than what I just said. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's interesting is that just the last 20 minutes currently, this is the structure we're using. So for the last 20 minutes, we go into a, like a little bit of a Tabata protocol. We do a nitric oxide protocol. We do them back to back. So they probably have a greater impact than one or the other by themselves, but we only do them after this setup. So it's meant to be that we're working really efficiently and we're really reducing the risk of the injury so long as they don't come in already with a problem they need to solve, right? So they should be ready for anything physical. And I mean, I would be doing uh, a mitochondrial workout after that. I might be mm -hmm. doing 30 seconds of, you know, balls to wall sprinting and recovering for 90 seconds. Um, I could do a VO2 workout after that. Um, I certainly do that kind of setup for my long weekend runs, walks, bike rides. So, um, it can be athletic. It's just that that one is meant to introduce yeah, people to this. Yeah, I see. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I might do it that way. I'll give it a try. But I, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. So I'll be back in action on Friday with y'all. Great, great. Yeah, my only grievance was that I wanted people to understand, those that were joining us, that they could use this to keep from that injury scenario in a yes. power yoga class. So what are you talking about? In boot camp, it's it's – too much resistance, too much compression, potentially. Mm -hmm. In a yoga class, it's the range, right? How, how ready is this body for all of that heavy range of motion work? And uh, is it destabilizing? So the work that we're doing there is a lab for figuring out a new way to go yeah. forward and get at your high-intensity work without falling injured along the way. That's amazing. Yeah, and that mirrors the, the simplicity and practicality of MAT, in a way, right? Like totally. this, well, this no, it's modality no. makes all your exercise better. Yeah. And why wouldn't you want that? Like, I don't know. Like the last thing I want for myself is to waste time with my exercise. Yeah. Like I have a finite amount of time for the day and in my life. Like I want yeah. max, maximal results. And that means not wasting my time with uh, exercise that isn't totally productive. And this it definitely is, yeah, it contributes to the other exercise that I do. So, yay. Yeah, that's what we do. You know, you and I both share this mindset that we warm up with an MAT frame of mind and then mm -hmm. we get more from our workouts because we've warmed up consistently with what we do. That's amazing. Um, tell people where to reach you and I don't know, anything else you want to say. <laughs> yeah, I can be reached at uh, Ed Morand. I think it's Ed underscore Miranda Instagram and Ed Morand 
MAT or MATRX specialist on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then the website is beyondpilates.net. Um, I just want to say thank you so much to Jen and Impact Your Fitness for having me here today. Uh, it was a great pleasure talking and working things out with you, Jen. And uh, I look forward to talking to you some more. Take care, everybody. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us today. I hope you got a lot of usable information out of that. If not, feel free to get in touch. We have lots of pictures and videos that might be able to help you get the highest quality exercise possible. I can be reached on Instagram at impact underscore your underscore fitness, impact your fitness. And through my newsletter, impactyourfitness.net slash newsletter to sign up. And of course, if you want to support the podcast, please check out Ruvi, R-U-V-I. It is a high performance drink that is just fruits and vegetables. And they have four blends. On your first order, you will receive a free shaker bottle. That's usually enough for me to order something um, in the drink category. But this drink in particular, it's only fruits and vegetables. It has all the fiber, no additives, no sugar, no gluten, no crap. Just fruits and vegetables and all the fiber. You can purchase at impactyourfitness.thrivelifes.com slash Ruby. And you'll get that free shaker bottle on your first order. Have a wonderful week and I can't wait to see you on Instagram.